Welcome to the Holy Authentic Life Podcast. My name is Bruce. And I'm Tammy. And we're so glad to get to hang out with you today. Yes, we are. We are super excited because we are here to share with you about the hope we have for a vibrant and sustainable life in Christ. Man, this is going to be good. Let's do this thing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Wow. Today, as we start with that, Mm. this is our goal. This is what should be a part of relationships, whether that be close friendships, relationships between husband and wife, parents and children, whatever the relationship is, love should be at the center of it all. And yet we live in this world where there is this belief that if you're going to be close to someone, then conflict, argument, fighting is just a normal, natural part of any relationship. Man, and that's so hard because I know I'm reading this scripture and I love this. And obviously, this is a scripture I've heard my whole life that is from Paul. And as he's talking about what love really looks like and what it really is, which, if you think about it, I mean, you see advertising, you see movies, you see all these things that are trying to define love. And a lot of times it looks very different than the scripture I just read. Very different because the point of a story like that in a movie movie in a TV show. It's all about the drama. Oh my gosh. Drama. Yeah. Well, they've got to keep you coming back. And it it is that element of drama that I think we see more often than what the scripture is saying. So today, what we want to do is actually be Mythbusters a little bit. No, I like that show too. (laughs) (laughs) I love the show, but uh, we're not going to do a scientific experiment. Oh, I wanted to blow something up. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, that would be awesome, actually. Well, we can do that later today. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) To uh, be continued. Right? Uh, No, we want to be mythbusters of this idea that fighting is just a normal, natural part of any relationship. We want to bring us back to Scripture so that we're living the kind of relationships that we ought to live, where love is at the center. And so the first part of dealing with this and and being Mythbusters brings me back to a story of hot dogs and Hogan's Heroes. Oh my gosh, we're going way back for this. I mean, like what, 25 years back. Newlyweds. Oh my goodness. Living in our first apartment. Yes. And every day for lunch. So it was really a lot of fun that every day we would come home and we actually got to have lunch together. Yeah, that was nice. I was going to school. You were working working. at the school. Yeah, yeah. And so we would get to come home and at lunch we'd watch Hogan's Heroes every day. I love that show. I can still, I just, I hear it. You know, the theme song. (laughs) Right. Right. It is so much fun. (laughs) We had so much fun with that. And we were wealthy enough to afford hot dogs every day. Oh my gosh, we were so broke. It's okay. Hot Dogs and Hogan's Heroes. Yes. And then one day. 
So one day we were doing our normal routine and I remember I got the mustard out of the fridge and I had shaken it like, you know. As you must. I, you have to. And then I opened the lid and then set it down. And we were watching Hogan's Heroes and our both of us were kind of focused on the show while we were sort of going through the motion. Right. And so at this point in my life, one of my greatest fears is taking mustard that hasn't been shaken up and putting on your hot dog. Ugh. And that nasty, whatever that is. It's gross. That when it's mixed up, obviously Delicious. is not a problem. But when it's not, it's that <laughs> bleh that just gets over your hot dog, gets on your bun. Ugh. And it's really just depressing. Because there's nothing worse than ruining a good hot dog, right? It's disgusting. So not knowing <laughs> that you had already shaken up the mustard and left it open. Yes, because I knew you needed it. Oh, you're such a lovely, wonderful, wonderful <laughs> woman. And you were being so kind. Well, I was trying to be, but... But I picked up the mustard and gave it a real good shake. Oh, and multiple shakes. You know, I pride myself in my ability to shake mustard well. <laughs> And in so doing, mustard went everywhere, got on the floor, got everywhere. Cabinets. And so it's just one of those moments. And and we'd been married, what? A month? Maybe. Maybe Maybe a month (laughs) when this happened. The thing about it was we we were very limited in our time. Oh, yeah, because we had to... You had to get back to work. work. I had to get to class. And and you were quickly going to eat. And it was like, I've said, no problem. I've got this. I'll clean it up. Oh, yeah. And make sure I get that done before I get to class. Whatever. Well, Mm -hmm. you head off back to work and... I don't remember. I'm sure something really important Uh happened that took my attention. (laughs) But I didn't get the mustard cleaned up before I left and went back to class. Right. And you got home... From work. Before I did. At the end of a long day, and the mustard was still there, and it had dried. On the floor. And the cabinets, and the countertops, and yeah. So when I get home, I walk into a boiling pot of fury. I was so angry. I had literally lost my mind. I know. I remember (laughs) somewhere in there... You saying something about not being my slave, my servant, (laughs) to do all of my bad work, something along those lines. Yes, I confess. It was not my best day. But then you did something that was very different for me. I started yelling at you, if I remember. You did. And I didn't know how to process that. Yeah. We've been married a month. And we'd never had any kind of a blow up. No. And I know some of you are thinking, this is over mustard, right? Okay. (laughs) And hot dogs. (laughs) And hot dogs. But yet you yelled. Man. And I walked away. Yeah. And I was so even more infuriated that you would literally walk into the other room while I am, I guess, unloading. I was like a volcano and my I just lost it. I was just spewing all of this stuff. And it felt so good in the moment to just mm. say it and to just not have any filter whatsoever. And then you walked into the other room. And so I did what most people would do. And I followed you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I remember walking in. <laughs> And sitting on the floor right next to our closet and you came in and I think I, I don't know if I said something or if I just held my hand up, but I said, we are not going to live like this. Yeah. We are not going to yell at one another. If we have problems, 
I'll be glad to talk it out with you, but we are not going to yell at one another. And since that day, we have never had a fight like that because we made a decision up front that this was not going to be our normal. Right. And, And it was so, well, it stunned me. First of all, because I guess, number one, I had never realized that I would have this side of me. Mm. It's almost like I didn't want to be this person. And so I was sort of stunned. And then secondly, I had never been with someone who said, well, this isn't the way we're going to do it. Because normally in the past, if I had gotten in a conflict, the other person would yell back. And that was just more normal. That was sort of my family of origin, if you will, that I had learned. And it, it was almost later when I when I calmed down I realized goodness that isn't who I wanted to be like who was that person mm-hmm. no we made that choice that yeah. day that this was not how we were going to handle conflict in fact yeah. we wanted to always be on the same team when you come into any relationship and we're talking about our marriage we could just as easily be talking about friendships yeah working relationships anything like that you bring your upbringing with you you bring what has been modeled for you in your life with you into a relationship, and then it's on you to decide how you're going to move forward. I really want to make it clear. We both had very different models for us coming into our relationship, Yeah. but we did not have to allow our past to determine our future. We had a choice in that moment to say, this is not who we want to be going forward. My upbringing allowed me to walk away that day because I had never seen my parents have any kind of conflict like that. They may very well have had conflict, but never in my memory had I ever seen them yell at each other. They were more quiet. And like I said, even if they did have some sort of conflict, it was never in front of me. Right. Yeah. And so that's what was modeled for me. Mm-hmm. And your experience was something very different. Yeah. <laughs> so unlike your family of origin, I had a very different experience and I had seen lots of conflict, lots of yelling, lots of fighting in that way. And it it's so weird because I can remember thinking as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, I never want to be like that in sure. my relationships. And so on the, the infamous mustard day, Hogan's Heroes Day, hot dog day, <laughs> I, after I was able to kind of reflect back and, and you reacted so differently, which, like I said, it stunned me. And then I was also, I know I experienced some shame after that. Like, mm. oh, what? this is not who I wanted to be. Like, what? Where did that come from? But realizing, oh my goodness, I am just doing what I had seen modeled for me growing up, even though I never wanted that to be true. Like I didn't want to be that person. Right. And in that moment, there were things that could have gone any different direction. I could have yelled back. Yeah. Well, and the thing was, you know, you can't fight with somebody who isn't fighting back. It just doesn't work. And and that's what I realized. Like I was just lashing out at you that day. And, and you were just like, it was almost like it just was bouncing off of you because you just were not retaliating at all. And let me say that it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit made me a better person than I think I really was. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not that in that moment I was like, if I ever get in a situation where my wife yells at me, I've got the perfect response planned out. No, I fully acknowledge the grace of God yes. in that moment mm-hmm. to intervene and prevent me from thinking and saying things that would have damaged our relationship. God was very gracious in that moment. Yeah, he was. And it was just an interesting, like, I'd almost say a turning point for me because I I guess I realized, goodness, I'm going to have to do some work here. If I don't acknowledge that this is a problem, then I can't make forward progress. I can't grow. And I didn't want to hurt you. Mm. And I didn't want to say those things to you. And like I said, I I, I felt some shame over it. I had to pray and and I asked the Lord, like, God, what is going on? You know, and I, I know you and I had lots of conversations later. Once I had cooled down, calmed down, I would become more regulated in my emotions. And let's be perfectly clear with everyone and honest and open to say, we do have disagreements. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And maybe that's that's the whole thing. I mean, being human means we have emotions and it means that we have feelings and sometimes our feelings get hurt. And being different people, yeah, we respond differently. We think differently. Yeah. There are things that motivate you, things that motivate me. We've talked about that a little bit in the past, but we're not the same person. And so therefore, we're not going to agree or we're not going to see things the same way, but we can choose to be on the same team. Right. Well, we can. And that was a turning point for me because if I think back to most conflicts that I had seen as a child, it wasn't pretty. I mean, people were fighting and like you see on movies and TV dramas and all of that. That was just the normal kind of thing in my world. And it was very stressful growing up in that. Stressful, scary. Yeah. I didn't want that going forward. In fact, I remember thinking, I want a different life for my marriage, you know, for for raising kids, all of that. I, I don't want to repeat the same dysfunctional patterns that I saw in my family. Right. So let's back up. A little bit. And when I say back up, let's just expand the view a little bit, because what we're talking about is personal between you and me, husband, wife kind of thing. But really, our world is full of anger right now. We see it and we live in a time unlike what we grew up in, where because of media, we are able to put our thoughts and feelings out there and when anger hits the social media waves, it creates waves. And one bit of anger produces more anger. And it just kind of continues to go out from there. And it just seems like anger in our world today is growing. Conflict seems to be more normal than people getting along. Yeah. At least that's what gets all the press when right. we talk about social media or media in general. It's the it's the anger that is so prevalent and prominent. And that's why we have to get this right. That's why we have to make choices to go back to what is life supposed to look like. If Especially, yeah. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who gave his life for me to have life. That life should be characterized by love. It's how I know if I'm growing and maturing and doing the right thing is if love is at the center of every relationship. Again, 
Love doesn't mean that conflict isn't there. Love doesn't mean that disagreement isn't there because we can disagree and yet still love one another. Oh, yeah. But we have to find a way to work through that and to recognize what are triggers. Because obviously that day I was like seriously triggered and I didn't even know, like I didn't even have that language. That's what's funny about it. Like I didn't even know that's what happened. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh man, that was a doozy. Something triggered you. Yeah, I was really triggered. It's the sight of yellow. I don't, I don't know. I think, well, mustard is hard to clean anyway. Let's just be honest. If it if it gets on stuff, it stains. And then, yeah, it's work. Right. And I was, I don't know, maybe it triggered because part of my work that I did at the school was, had to do with cleaning dishes, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked yes. about that a long yes, time yes, ago. Yes, yes, and, uh, and so maybe after cleaning dishes there and then coming home and having more things to clean, it just was like, whoa, I just lost my mind. Yes. And so... <laughs> Let's be real. If if you're in this world today, there are plenty of opportunities to get triggered by oh, anything. Man. And especially yes. if you get into social media. And I know, I know, I know I'm talking bad about social media, but I'm very intentional about what I allow because right. I couldn't read the news without getting triggered. One of the rules in our house is don't do dumb things. Oh, we haven't talked about that very much. That's kind of like our whole rule for parenting is just tell our kids don't do dumb things. Yeah, it actually covers so much. It does. And when people do dumb things, it's easy to highlight that. So as our kids were growing up, it'd be like we'd point at that and go, that's dumb. Don't do dumb things. (laughs) Well, when I get on social media and I see people doing dumb things, it just sends me over the edge. And like we talked about. I think last time that fuse in me has gotten shorter over time. Over time. I think that's also the result of this growing amount of anger that is present in all forms of media. Wow. Which was not true when we were kids. Number one, we didn't have the media. I mean, you don't encounter a bunch of anger when you're playing with Hot Wheels cars in a dirt pile. You know, I mean, that's pretty much where I spent most of my childhood, you know? Right. But it's out there. So many things can trigger us. And I wanted to acknowledge that part of it. Yeah. And then I do want to say some of that is spiritual warfare. We have an enemy and his name means deceiver. And he wants to keep us living deceived. And that's where a lot of anger comes from. We can use the word selfishness. We could use all different kinds of things where anger gets triggered in us. We could even use something positive in terms of justice, when we think of one person being wronged and, and this and that, where that should compel us to action, what happens more often is it's compelling us to anger. And that's where I believe the spiritual warfare influences there, that our enemy wants us to make enemies of other people. He wants us to make enemies of anyone who has a different opinion than us. Yeah. He wants us to make enemies of our spouse. He wants us to right. make enemies of people who are our close friends because we need relationships. Wow, that's so good. And when he can use anger to drive a wedge Mm -hmm. between people and look around, do you see this happening? Yeah. When I was looking at this and I was thinking of spiritual warfare, I wrote down like a spirit of anger. Yeah. A spirit of dissension, where no matter what you say, I'm going to disagree. A spirit of negativity, which comes out in the form of this is horrible and it's always going to be horrible. And everything that I see, even when I see good things, I see the downside. And I think that is something that our enemy uses to really continue to keep anger and frustration stirred up in our lives. And then a spirit of envy. Oh, wow. 
And if we're talking social media, it's there. Envy has to come into the conversation. It is so strong. And and it does divide us. And I, I love how you were talking about that. What is the end result of all of this is its division. Division. Yeah. And then we find ourselves in isolation. Mm. And then our we get in our head. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I get in my head and I and we told before in one of our podcasts earlier of we write that narrative. We we come up with all of these stories that may or may not even be based in truth or reality and then that becomes what we live out of and it just spirals us into uh, just these awful places Mm -hmm. so all of this yeah this anger i actually wrote down the words we have an angry world with a public platform oh i like that and anger Hmm. stirs up more anger and we have to learn to do things differently for me my social media go-to is the daily pun Oh, it's so fun. That has brought a lot of like joy into our, we have like this family chat where you post those little punny jokes. Can I say it like that? No, because see, (laughs) that's my frustration with people and puns is they don't know what they are. I just triggered you. The word, (laughs) I'm not angry though. Oh, good. Uh, No, the word punny is not a pun. Uh, yeah, but it is exact, cute. But it's cute, yeah. but it's not a word. Okay, um, well. <laughs> the thing about it is, is in social media, when I go there, I want to connect with people I know. But other than that, I want something fun. I am going to social media and actually finding something good there that doesn't take me down the road of anger. It's something that's that's good that I can put in my life because we don't want to become angry people. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I really hope <laughs> I'm as angry as I could possibly be. Oh. Today, no, that isn't a good place, and I don't know. I, I'm glad we've brought up this this word trigger because when we are more aware of the things that trigger us, then we can make these positive changes, like you're talking about, and really adjusting mm-hmm. what your influences are, where you're spending your time. Just having that awareness is a huge thing. We want love, yes, as we started with today, to be a part of who we are and how we live and how we act and react in the world. And that passage of scripture that you read from Corinthians gives us some really good guidelines as to what that ought to look like and tells us some things we ought to avoid. Right. One of the things that has been a very popular thing, even since we were younger, maybe even longer than that, is having the perfect comeback. It was almost like the more you could roast someone, the better. And, mm-hmm. and I have been horrible at that. Like somebody might say something and three days later, I'm in the shower and I'm like, oh, that would have been perfect to say. Dang it. I wish I <laughs> I'd have had that. And then I reflect back and go, no, you really, that was okay. That you, know, you didn't say that. It's a gift from the Lord that you don't have the perfect <laughs> comebacks. Uh, yeah. Because while they can be humorous, yes, it is sometimes in those comebacks that, boy, it, it does hit us hard later when it, we're alone. Oh, it stings. Comebacks are not necessarily intended to hurt someone, but at the same time, they do fall in that category of root. And when we are loving one another, we have to be careful because we can damage a relationship all under the premise of just good, clean fun. Oh, man. And yeah, so who's having fun, though? And at whose expense? Yes. And I don't want to sound like I'm being super critical of people and that I don't have a sense of humor and that sort of thing. That's not what I mean. I just mean to say that when that becomes part 
part of a relationship. If you and I were constantly having that perfect comeback, that would damage. It would damage our over relationship. time. Yeah. And I think it would cause me to feel defensive and to probably put up a, a guard that, you know, gosh, I don't want to be hurt by you if you continually do this, right? Right. We could be resentful of one another. Our enemy gets in our head and begins to discourage us. And it's like, man, your, your husband always has this perfect comeback for anything you say, that must mean that everything you say is not worth anything or that... Or it can be used against me. That it can be used against you. So then we don't offer Mm -mm. and we don't put ourselves out there. No. So there's a lot of things that can come. And so one of the things that ought to be off limits for us is this desire to have the perfect comeback. Yeah, right. Uh, I like that. Another thing is cheap shots. Oh. Say we're, we're with friends and we're going out to eat. Yeah. And we're discussing where we ought to go. And at home, we we were talking about it and it was like, man, I know they love seafood. We ought to go eat seafood. And you're like, I don't like seafood that much. I can tolerate it, but it's not my favorite. I'd rather go somewhere else. Then when we get in public, a cheap shot would be for me to say, hey guys, where do you want to go? I guess that's anywhere but seafood because Tammy doesn't like that. Oh, that would be a cheap shot. And it's me continuing our disagreement publicly. Wow. Yeah. And that's a tough one. I would think that at the moment, I wouldn't even say anything. If that happened, what could I say? Right. And again, this is another one of those things that falls under, do you have a good sense of humor or not? And no one wants to be the guy who's accused or the the gal who's accused of saying, I don't have a good sense of humor. Right. So I would laugh it off to make it less awkward. But inside, I'm feeling the sting of that remark. You are. And man, that's so damaging to a friendship, so damaging to a marriage, so damaging to any relationship when that becomes our common way we deal with conflict mm-hmm. is to take cheap shots in public. It's not funny. No, it's not. It, it really becomes a, a source of problem. And a, and it's, it's like planting the seed of a weed in the midst of your flower bed because it's going to grow and it's going to be harder to get out than anything else. And even if your regular flowers come up, that weed is going to be so hard to remove. And there's a point here where we have to learn to control what comes out of our mouth. Yeah. Well, and all of this, I guess the theme of, of our talk today is just, you know, recognizing the things that are your triggers, Mm -hmm. recognizing how are you processing anger and are you processing it in uh, a passive aggressive way, which is what these sound like to me, Mm -hmm. or are you able to work through these things in a healthy way that will strengthen the relationship instead of damage it? Yes. And that's why Paul defines love so specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. These cheap shots, they come when we're irritable. Yeah. They come out of a heart that says, you know, I'm not going to get my way. So I can't keep myself from being irritated, but I don't have to express irritability. I want to say something, but I don't have to. That controlling the tongue, we could get into James at this point in Scripture and talk about is the hardest thing to control. That's probably a whole (laughs) nother discussion for a whole nother day. It's a real battle. It is. So we want to avoid the perfect comeback. We want to avoid the cheap shots. We want to avoid envy. We talked about that. And 
for some of you, that may mean unplugging from social media because you can't handle seeing what people post. Right. They're highlight reel. Once again, let's just be reminded of that. No one is posting pictures of their breakdown or their meltdown. Right. I would have never posted a picture of the hot dog Hogan's Heroes mustard incident if social media had been around. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I would have done that. What you just said <laughs> is is what to me is so frightening about social media because you and I have a filter. Right. And we would never post that. And most people, if they're posting good things about life, they're posting just like you said, the highlight reel, the good things. It's really scary when people post everything. Oh. Just saying. <laughs> It's really scary. That falls under the category of don't do dumb things. Don't do dumb things. Right. And I'm just going to leave it right there. That's a good place. Right. So we want to avoid envy. And then the last thing that I wanted us to say we avoid is we avoid avoidance. Okay. Can we do that? How do you avoid? Wait, explain. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean is when something real, the mustard incident. Oh, we're still back there. Real. (laughs) Real happens. I mean, that was real. Mistakes were made. I was real mad. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Mistakes were made. Yeah. I should have handled it immediately rather than wait and say, I'll do this. And then I got myself in a position where I was running out the door and totally failed to do it. So there's this issue that's real. Okay. And we don't want to avoid that issue. We want to be able to talk about it, but we don't want to talk about it in an unloving way. That's what we're trying to avoid is speaking out of hurt, speaking out of anger. But we want to bring these things up in a way where love is at the center, where we can literally go down this list of being patient and kind and not jealous and not proud and not boastful and not demanding our own way. So selfishness has got to go. All of the things that we typically want to bring into this conversation because we're the wronged party. Yeah. Or maybe we are the person who did the wronging. Did the wronging. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That is a phrase that you will hear uh, among people from now on. Oh, I like that. Did the wronging. We did the wronging. I did the wronging. Okay. Well, I did some wronging too, so I'll own my part. I will not argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's funny. Just because for the sake of this conversation, I won't argue with that. But I like this. No, I am the one who did not follow through. Okay. And so I had to come back and face that. Oh, and it got cleaned up. The mustard did get cleaned. Of course it did. (laughs) Of course it did. But what I mean to say is we don't want to avoid talking about it. Yeah. Because when we avoid the issue, it grows into things that we don't want it to grow into. Like resentment. It can grow into resentment. Bitterness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, in the book of Hebrews talks about not allowing a root of bitterness. To come into our heart because then it begins to cloud our vision and we begin to see things, that spirit of negativity, that spirit of dissension and envy and anger, those spirits can take hold. It, it almost becomes a foothold yeah, in our not, lives. It's not what we want. I mean, and I love that that weed example that you were giving because it just it doesn't stay a seed. It grows. That's true. And and I, I really liked that that you brought up earlier. And and just avoiding, hang on, how'd you say it? Avoiding avoiding avoidance Yes. Okay. So so in other words, I don't ever talk to you about what I'm upset about. Instead, I like repress it or I stuff it down or I gunny sack it is how, you know, I grew mm-hmm. up here and you gunny sack that emotion and then it just blew up, right? Yes. And so there are different ways in which, so this is what the person who has been wrong, that's kind of the biggest temptation is I'm going to avoid it. Not I've been wronged. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. 
and then it develops this bitterness. Yeah, because emotions are going to come out and you can't just continue to push things down and to ignore and avoid, like you said, when it's it's a problem. And, and I think that was where, coming back to the mustard, I, I didn't handle it well. I definitely addressed it, but I didn't address it in a good way. I could have also chosen avoidance and pushed it down and mm-hmm. not talked to you about it, but I still would have, he- have felt something. And I think that could have been something that build, would build over time and lead to other issues down the road. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we're talking about avoiding avoidance and that sort of thing, because I think a lot of people do struggle with that. They definitely do. And from the person who did the wronging, I my avoidance would not necessarily lead to bitterness, but it's often common for people who don't like conflict, especially if they're the one who did the wronging. An apology can be helpful. And sometimes an apology is just words. And so I might have been able to say, I'm sorry, and not really go beyond that. Yeah, I say that because I've seen that in my life in other ways where maybe I've said something to speak directly to an issue. And maybe what I said was right, but I said it with the wrong spirit or the wrong attitude or, or the wrong was, manner. Yeah, just not translated well by the other person. Something, just something like that. Didn't go well. Yeah. And I know it. Mm. And I know it's not been received well. And I know that I didn't say it exactly right or in that moment... I was a little bit snarky. Oh, you snarky? Uh, Yes, it happens. (laughs) So when at that point, the avoidance that I want to not do, when I avoid in that moment, it's like I'm sitting there silently hoping everything just gets better on its own. Oh, it's just going to go away. It's just going to go away. Everybody's, <laughs> even though they took it wrong in the moment, uh, they're going to think about it and they're going to realize, hey, I'm not that evil guy. And and so... <laughs> Your heart is good. My heart is good. So they're going to just have all this faith and belief in me. And a week from now, it's just going to be in our past. It happened, but they believe better things about me now. Mm, but you never really talk about but it. But I never really talk about it. I never yeah. really address it. I yeah. never, even if I apologize, I'm never really taking ownership for the hurt. I love that, that you that said moment. that, never taking ownership. That's being responsible for our part. And and that is so important in relationships. And I love how you said that. And, and this is good to name and good to, I guess, learn mm-hmm. and learn about how do we manage conflict? How do we handle our, our anger? triggers and things like that. Well, and again, I'm just going to keep turning us back to what Paul said about love, that love is not going to sit here and avoid something like that and just hope it gets better. It makes an effort yeah. to make things right. It makes an effort to take ownership for our part in it. And, and that, Yeah, that's how we build strong relationships because it is. that's what I guess I'm learning is if I don't do some effort here, then ultimately I'm going to be alone because yes. I will have hurt the people I love who love me and it's going to lead to isolation. It will. And when love rejoices, I love that he used this phrase, it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. That doesn't happen through avoidance on either side. Yeah. The truth wins out, which means that I might be the one that's wrong. I might be believing something that's not true. And Mm -hmm. so love is able to bring healing. Love is able to keep the relationship in the right place when truth wins out. Yeah, which is so good. And I I really love that we're talking about this because it is a a big deal. And we want to do the work. We want to recognize these things that we've brought up today because ultimately, like I said, we want these strong relationships in in our life. We want it in our marriage. We want it in our friendships. We want it as parents with our kids. Just every aspect 
aspect in our church. Relationships are so important, and we need one another. Yes, we do. And I would even say, somewhere down deep, we all want the world to be a better place. Yeah. And we realize that it's broken. We realize that we're up against it, that there are so many ways in which it can go wrong and so few in which it can go right. But we really have hope, and that's part of who we are holy, authentic life, yes, vibrant and sustainable life. Unity ought to be a glowing characteristic of God's people. We ought to be able to be unified with one another when we disagree, when we see things differently, because we're going to rejoice when the truth comes to light. There are definitely things that we don't have to see the same way and yet still have unity with one another. But unity will never come without love. Right. No, that's so good. That's what we're striving for. And that's part of the reason we're doing these podcasts is to hopefully inspire and educate and enlighten and and to also validate some of the feelings maybe you're feeling as as our listeners that that we're not alone, just to remove Mm -hmm. that feeling of I'm the only person going through this. I'm the only person that struggled in this area or any of those those types of thoughts because you're not. And we've definitely (laughs) been through... 25 years together and yeah. and you you and I've seen the best and worst in each other in that time. I'm just so grateful that, you know, looking back I can see how we changed the direction of how we handled conflicts and and what we did with those angry feelings and how we processed those things. And that is so, so great. I'm glad we were able to bust the myth, I guess, in some ways, because while anger is an emotion and conflict and and fighting is sort of a part of the human experience. It's common. (laughs) Very common. It does not have to define your relationship. You know, you don't need to allow that to cause you to do those things that you brought up earlier that that we can choose unity we can choose to walk in love yes and this is a phrase we're kind of using more and more as we go through these things that are common Mm -hmm. do not have to define normal which is good that means we can break free from those things that would lead us in a direction that we don't want to go it's not good you know to go down that path so ultimately in the way that we relate to one another we want to choose love like paul defined love in first corinthians that's our goal that's what we're striving toward because we want us all to live a life that is vibrant and sustainable in Christ.